You know what yes. your resting heart rate is? Mm-mm. No. I don't either. I'm just trying to find out. Oh, it looks like it's about 73 beats per mine's minute today. Low. That's, That's pretty high. Is that high? Yeah. That's pretty high. Yeah, mine's pretty low. He probably, probably has really high blood you're, pressure. You're probably at oh, what, yeah. high 40s. You're a ticking time mom, dude. Yeah. I'm currently Man. at 77 beats per minute. Man. Resting or right now? No, just right now. Oh, I'm, I'm right now I have 81 BPM going for That's my heart. Pretty, that's pretty Wow, high, you ready yeah. to start this show? My, my, the day has been 73. Yes. Well, hey, everybody, and welcome <laughs> to The Debrief. My name is Justin Party, a.k.a. PRD, also known, according to Stephanie Schaefer over there, as a ticking time bomb due to my resting heart rate. Your rapid resting heart rate? I'm worried yeah. about mm -hmm. you. Well, I think well, if we were to take all of our heart rates at this table, mm. put them together, average them out, then I'd have a pretty good one thanks to, yeah. uh, thanks to you guys. Who Pastor Matt, the triathlete. Brett, who watches hockey. The shrink. Shrink. Do you have good health? I think I do. Yeah, okay. he did. I think I did. Yeah. you ever seen pictures of him when he was really heavy? Oh, I have. Oh my gosh. I was a big boy. Yes, you were. Yeah, yeah that's putting it nicely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You guys, we got <laughs> what, what do you call table. your wife? What do you call her? Uh, chubby Chaser. Chubby Chaser. Yeah. He showed me his picture because I, I didn't believe him. He's a big boy. Yeah. It's true. Like he made he makes you look like grumpy. Uh-huh. Uh oh, yeah. yeah. I have yeah. much respect. I can't believe you. How much total weight have you lost and held off? Uh, about 100 pounds. That's wow. crazy. 100 if pounds. I lost 100 pounds, person. I'm dead. Yeah. You ain't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I'm dead. I'm probably Justin's dead at doing 50. the math right now. Are you... Are you no, well, I could, I could probably stand to lose uh, at least eighty-five to ninety. Let's just round it up to a hundred. No. Yeah. No. Mm -hmm. No. I currently weigh two eighty-three. They want me to be under two hundred, and I go, no, no, no. Let's aim for two hundred five. Mm. What were you when you got married? <laughs> yeah, like two twenty. Yeah, I like you. Yeah, two twenty is good. Yes. My wife sent me a picture. <laughs> I can't believe I'm saying this. Like four days ago, she texted me a photo. Like, you know how Facebook yeah. and those Shows other apps memories. show you memories? Mm -hmm. And she <clears> said two years ago, she says, you've gotten fatter, but your beard game is so much better than it uh, was. Mm. So I think she was, I was like, well, let's just only yeah. do por torso I think shots. You, I think you look more handsome with a little more weight. But I want you to be healthy, so. Yeah, yeah. yeah we'll work on it. Uh, I'm definitely, 40 days of faith, I'm going to do 40 days of uh, uh Fasting, maybe weight loss. Fury. Yeah, fury. Forty mm. years of fury. Mm. But you guys, would it be okay with you if we do a podcast today? Yeah, Great. yeah. I'm down. We For got sure. Pastor Matt right here. We he's been encouraging. We have uh, the our resident expert on staff uh, expert. Brett. He's a professional shrink. Yeah, that's yeah, what, Brett, Ryan. Brett Ryan. Yeah, he's been uh, bringing expertise. Uh, he's an expert in shame, in anger, mm. and relational baggage. I got it all. Yeah, that's why we have him sitting next to you. <laughs> <laughs> We're glad to have you back. Uh, hopefully yeah. you had fun. Uh, in between last week and this week, were you thinking, man, I just can't wait to get back mm -hmm. to that studio? Oh, for sure. Yeah. 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 We're, glad, we're glad that you're here. We yeah. are. We're going to have some fun. <laughs> we are. So here on The Debrief, we are unpacking baggage as Pastor Matt's sermon series right now at Samuel Church is baggage, where we're working through some of the things we carry with us. And this week, we were talking all about anger. Your yes. message this weekend was all about, uh, we called it air rage, yeah. the travel theme, mm -hmm. all about anger and letting that go. So we're going to get that, to that on the show. We've got some great questions. Next week, we're wrapping up our unpacking baggage series here on the show with the topics of guilt and shame. So we've got questions about shame, you know, things over past decisions and stuff. We would love to get those on the show. You can send those in at debrief.show or by sending us a message on Facebook. We would love to get those. But for now, let's go ahead and dive Before we get really serious, got. I got one question, one quick question. Speaking of anger, just like low-level anger, do you have any pet peeves? Let's go Pastor Matt, Brett Ryan. Let's just do like a round oh, the circle. Oh, yeah. We did that in small group last night, so oh, yeah. it's easy. Yeah, so it's small group. My, my pet peeve is is purchase things that are unused. Oh. So I can't stand it when like my wife will buy a drink it. and I'll get in her car and it's not even sipped 
or my kids will buy a meal and they don't eat it or they leave it. Or um, like we find gifts that are like three years old and not been given. So I don't mind spending money as long as it's used. Mm-hmm. So that's just that's just the thing that drives me nuts is spent money that is unused. Mm. So that's my big, like, I mm. just get so frustrated. Stephanie, you have a pet peeve? Oh gosh, eating sounds. Oh, if wow. people eat loudly near me, done. Mm. Don't, don't. That was dr- that was just a drink, not a. If treat. people do it on purpose to annoy me, it goes to a different place in my brain where it doesn't bother me. But if it's just sort of happening mm. next to me for a long time, nope. Mm. Mm. Pastor Brett Ryan, what's your pet peeve? I have so many because okay. I'm an angry person. <laughs> but uh, I would say, I think all redheaded people are. Yeah, really you're angry. Vikings. Yeah, yeah, it's in your DNA, dude. We're a little upset. You yeah, know? I, I rude people, but mm. specifically the people that want to. Open their candy and talk oh, during movie movies. Oh, oh my yeah. god! Or during no. shows. No, no, yeah. no. I, I Wouldn't it be great if you could just look. kill them? <laughs> kill them. Oh yeah. Right. Oh my gosh. Just I went and saw that movie, The Quiet Place, where oh, it's very oh, quiet, geez. and yeah, the gal sitting yeah. next to me was like open, trying to slowly yeah. open her candy, and I just about eight minutes in, I just turned over around her and mm. I said, "Why don't you just rip it open and get it over with?" <laughs> or, or you know the parents that bring their tiny kids to like a really scary. Yeah. Action. And you're like, what do you, what's going yeah. on? You know? Yeah. We yeah. all get to be their babysitters. Thank you. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, no. <laughs> Dude, the world has gone socially insane. Like, yep. nobody knows anyone else is out there. So, yeah. Mm. Well, I'm getting angry even as the show starts. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's take a deep breath. All right, let's jump into it then. <sighs> yeah. All right. So, Pastor Brett, we've got you here today as our resident expert on these topics. Um, can you kind of talk to us about how anger tends to affect us, how it works in relationships? Just give us a little overview on how it works in relationships. <laughs> oh, I want to hear this. Yeah. Or it doesn't work. Our relational Jedi. How does anger work in yeah. relationships? So anger, anger is usually that thing in our bodies. What we don't realize is that the God, that God has given us a body that responds to external stimuli and internal stimuli. So um, when you look at anger, usually it's a protective emotion, right? Mm-hmm. So if someone breaks into your home, you get this rush of adrenaline because your brain is telling your body, hey, there's danger. You need to be ready for this. Um, and then that's where, like, I've talked to people that have been in intense situations where the hearing kind of shuts off a little bit or it goes hyper alert. Um, they don't really realize, you know, how fast they run or, or how quickly they did something because your body moves into this mode of I need to protect or I need to win. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, unfortunately, what we do is we do this socially as well. Mm-hmm. So when someone's saying something, our brain tells us this is scary. There's emotions welling up. I need to protect myself. And usually that's when we get pretty angry. And so that's where you get to that point where have you ever heard the expression, you flip your lid? Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. That's because that whole part of your brain takes over to protect yourself. And then you don't really think about what's going on and you say things and do things that you shouldn't. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, I've actually heard, and I think it was when we did our uh, training on the Enneagram back a couple of years ago, that anger is actually kind of a secondary emotion, that it isn't necessarily the deep underlying thing, but it's a like a symptom of underlying issues. Can you kind of talk about how that kind of works out too? Or is that a, even a thing? No, that's a thing. Um, and, and what's kind of sad is that, you know, uh, kind of uh, experts in the field, they don't really fully agree on this. So mm-hmm. some people say, no, anger is a primary emotion. It's a protective emotion. Some people say, no, it's a secondary emotion. There's a lot of underlying. I would say both are true. Mm-hmm. Um, so for a lot of people, when we get upset, um, Pastor Matt, you said it uh, on at the sermon this week, and you said, 
you know, usually we get very angry with the people we're closest to. Well, the people we're closest to can evoke a lot of raw emotion in us because mm. we can be very vulnerable with them. Yeah. When we're very vulnerable, you know, it, it takes a lot of guts. It takes a lot of bravery. And so usually anger will be that thing that covers up that vulnerability um, to stop us from feeling that. And so it definitely is a secondary emotion. A lot of people, you know, when you sit down with people and start talking and you talk about something vulnerable and they start getting very angry, you know, that's because there's something welling up that they don't want to deal with in a lot of ways or that they're not willing to recognize. Mm -hmm. um, but anger is also, I would say it could be a primary emotion. It could be a protective emotion and a physical altercation. It could be a protective emotion um, when maybe we see that, like you talked about uh, the young college girl, uh, this weekend, mm -hmm. you know, I, I think a lot of people were angry. Yeah, sure. That there's injustice in the world, and I, I think that you know that's a that's a normal thing. You mm -hmm. know, we need to be angry at injustice. Mm -hmm. You know, and so it is a secondary emotion. It does usually is kind of an indicator, like we said, emotions are indicators. It's an indicator that there's something else going on, and we need to process through what is that thing going on. Mm -hmm. um, but it can also be a primary thing that we're just upset because something's not right. Yeah. yeah. You know, you just pointed out on uh, a question that, that uh, uh, not me, Justin, a different Justin wrote in and asked about if there's such a thing as righteous anger, which is a phrase probably a lot of us have heard before. Is there ever a circumstance or situation where you can be justifiably angry? Yeah, sure, man. I mean, if someone's hurting my child or hurting my wife, anger's a gift. Mm -hmm. It's, uh, you know, Brett said it's adrenaline. Well, that's that's reserved energy that your body has stored for an emergency situation. And so in that moment, um, you know, I, I need to be the Hulk. I, I, I need to be that. I mean, every, every young man that wants to get married needs to make a decision that if someone's going to break into your house and harm your family, you have pre-decided to put yourself aside and do whatever it takes to defend your family up to death, right? I'm not calling 911. You're going to need 911 because I'm going to wreck you because you've come into my home. Uh, and our society's goofy on that. That, you know, the Bible talks about, be weary of the society that calls evil good and good evil. And that's exactly what America's done. We keep flipping everything where literally you can have someone break into your house and you wound them and they sue you. That's our culture. I mean, it's like, can you imagine like a hundred years ago trying to explain that to an American? They're like, what? <laughs> right. Well, they, there's not even a category for that a hundred years ago, but today it's just common knowledge, you know? Um, you you have to have that predetermined, I'm going to do whatever it takes to protect my family. And so that's a part of, I think, one of the ways that we've really um, disempowered men is, is if, if you're going to marry a man, you need to know there's a part of him that God has placed in there that needs to go insane temporarily to protect the tribe, the family. And that's in there. And women, you know, I, I remember when my, my son was first being coached, my wife's like, I don't like this coach. I, you know, I just don't like the way he's, and I said, babe, he's a man and he's talking to men. Like she has no, she has no category, zero category for how men speak to each other when you want something to be done. And it's just like, you know, and, and, and that's different. You know, my girls never had a softball coach that spoke to him that way. It was very different um, because we, we receive things differently because of our genders. And so there's just, there's just a part of men right, that, that have that. Now, as a man, you have to make sure that that's focused and directed in the right way. So it's not right to unleash that on your wife, on your kids, what you're called to protect them. So God's placed the, that in us and, and we need that. So it is righteous. It is, uh, and, and there, the, the part of the problem is 
um, you know, we don't have a venue for that to be released in our culture. And so what's happening is, right, it, it comes out in really unhealthy ways through violence, gun violence. Um, you know, like in England, they don't have guns, so now they're stabbing each other. So, and I think this year, London is ahead of New York City in murders, but they're all knife incidents. So there's a part of, right, that brokenness that we need to deal with. So yes, sometimes it is a very, very good thing. God has placed that in us to protect. And so, um, but here's the thing about anger. And so that's why we need to look at what Paul said. He says, in your anger, do not sin. Mm -hmm. So it is possible to be angry and not to sin. What I would say is we all need to be very, very humble in our anger and say, okay, I might be righteous in my anger, but it's going to be temporary. The longer I stay angry, the the easier it's going to be to sin. That's why Paul says, confess your sin, deal with your sin before the sun goes down. So, right, it's a temporary thing. You need to deal with that, and then you need to let it go. Otherwise, it gives the devil a foothold into your life. And so, um, you know, it's it's always about restraining our anger. And so that's the thing is it always cracks me up when people you know, they think the Bible's so cruel. They say, well, you want to go back to an eye for an eye or tooth for tooth. They don't understand that that's actually limiting vengeance. Mm -hmm. So in the ancient world, you break out my tooth, I kill you, your wife, your kids, your family. I take your horses, your cattle, because you took me off. And what the Bible is teaching is, is that vengeance needs to correlate to what's happened to you. You can't go beyond. So <laughs> if your tooth got knocked out, you know, the, 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 the ultimate um, range for your retribution is a tooth. It's an eye. It's 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 a it's a limiting. It's a muffler, right? It's it's holding it back. It's not releasing it. But our world's so broken, you know. We we have no idea. And so the way that we believe we punish, like a pedophile, is we give them, you know, an air conditioned cell with library time and exercise time and, and you know and three meals a day and better health care than most Americans have. That's insane. That's insane, right? I, to me, I'm like, are you kidding me? You know, I mean. Uh, somebody on death row has a better life than the average guy working. That's that's crazy to me, but that's our world because we don't know how to dispense punishment. Um, you know, the word punitive, right, is a negative word in our culture when I think there should be punishment for crimes. Imprisonment in, the, in most of the world was simply the place you waited to receive your punishment. And now it's become the punishment. And so- you know, don't get me started on that political stuff, but but so so it is important that we we're able to release that and we're able to have our day and and speak to the people who've committed these crimes. You know, if somebody kills my wife, yes, I'm going to be angry, I'm going to be enraged, but at some point, I have to hand that over to God, or that anger is going to consume me. It's going to destroy me. Um, you know, there's a great uh, movie. Uh, it's called Munich, and it's the story of a lot of people don't know this, but uh, Arabs. Um, kidnapped uh, Jewish Israeli um, athletes at the 1972 oh, yeah. Olympics, mm -hmm. and they killed them all um, for a political statement. And so Israel, you know, gathered together uh, the Mossad agents of the Israeli force, and they they contracted these guys to hunt down everybody that was involved. And so, right, the endeavor was righteous. What was done was wrong, and these people need to die for what they did. But what happens in the movie and in the story is ultimately destroys the, the men and women who are entrusted with this mission because it, it wrecks them. Mm -hmm. Because over time, right? <clears throat> we're talking about years to hunt down these people. It, it, all of a sudden you've become what you hate. You've become a terrorist. And um, uh, and that's really the story of that. And, and so we have to be so, so careful and and ultimately entrusting you know, God over to that. And, and here's the thing is a lot of Christians confuse you know, the 10 commandments, you shall not kill. 
That's you personally. The government has a responsibility to enact justice and, 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 and all throughout. So you personally are not able to kill, but if you bring your child who will not listen, continues to sin, continues to harm, you bring them before the elders, they can kill them. The community can say, okay, you've crossed the line, you're a danger, you're a threat to society, you're done. And, and they have that right. And so people unfortunately don't read all of scripture. They read a portion, they know, they know a verse rather than the whole context of that. And so what it means is I as an individual don't get to decide on my own to take a life. The community has to wrestle with that and say, okay, this person has done something so egregious, they cannot be a part of the community. And so we you know, can expel them like you're out, which really was a sentence of death in the ancient world or to slavery, or we, you know, we're going to end your life through stoning. And so, um, and so we, we think of stoning, right? But it's the public act of the community saying, yep, we're, we're all mm. in this. Wow, that just went way out. So there is, there is righteous anger and we should be angry. Um, you, know, um, you know, like for example, if this young man, if it's proven beyond reasonable doubt, and nobody knows what that word means anymore, beyond reasonable doubt that he did this to Molly Tibbetts, I, you know, I believe that the community has the right to demand his life. And um, a Christian could enact judgment, you know, in that thing. And so that, that, that's righteous. That's a righteous anger. That's righteous judgment. And, and, and we need to do that. So there are examples where it's good. I think where it's bad is we go through life and we're wounded, we're sinned against, we're hurt, and we store that up mm-hmm. and it's piled on, right? So we're not Sabbathing, so we're tired. Um, we work for a company that doesn't understand Sabbath, so they overwork us. We are in relationships where our spouse doesn't understand Sabbath, so there's chores. And so, right, we're, 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 we're at max capacity. And so we're gonna be more easily wounded, hurt, and we're more likely to rage. And so that's the thing as a man is the more tired you are, the more likely you are to inappropriately sin with anger. I think when we're, when we're well, gosh, I can't say it, when we're well rested, mm-hmm. I think we can, we can handle that. So yes, there are occasions when anger is justified. Um, it's right for the community of Molly Tibbetts to be angry that uh, a girl was accosted. It looks like from the video that she was followed, pursued, hunted, right? So that, yes, I can be angry. But, you, but even in that righteous anger, if that community holds on to that forever, it's going to destroy that community. So mm-hmm. anger needs to move quickly to justice. And that's the problem in our society is um, there's not justice. There, there, there's not, there's a, there's a mm-hmm. frustration in our culture of, uh, of what's not right. We're not being treated right. And so that's bubbling up everywhere uh, on the left and on the right. And so uh, because our culture doesn't know how to talk civilly about that, I think we're, we're all a little tense. And mm-hmm. you know, we're, think about what we're doing for work. We're driving hours. You know, there was a guy in our church that I, at one time drove a hundred miles each way to work every day. Okay, I'm gonna be angry. I'm angry for you. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that, that's brutal. And, um, but we're not willing to change our lifestyle to the mm-hmm. job that we can afford to win or, or, or move, right? So there's just a lot of things that we have to do. And so what I would say is um, when we're angry, that's an opportunity to look at yourself and, and it's not good. And a lot of us are angry at our parents. We're angry at our family. We're angry at our friends. We're angry at our church. Um, when I was a kid, we used to have business meetings 
those things were evil. Anger church? Yeah. Oh, because what people would do is all that stored up anger came out against their brothers and sisters in Christ. And, and you'd be, people would leave the church over whether or not the church should buy a vacuum cleaner or not. That's the details with which, you know, they, they, they watched the money of the church. It was just, it was just ugly and, and sad. And right, for the most part, these are beautiful people, good people, but you know, it, it creates stress. So yes, gosh, long answer. Yes, there are times when, when anger is righteous, but man, I, the quicker you can hand that over to God, the better you are. James says, be slow to speak, quick to listen, and slow to anger. I think that's James 1.19. And then we talked about in the sermon, James 1.20, which says, human anger does not accomplish the righteousness of God. And so we have to be very, very careful um, as we enact justice because we're angry, mm-hmm. because we're angry. And, and I, so, and I think there's a point to what you're saying too. The the opposite is true as well. So, you know, usually when we think of anger, we think of someone lashing out, someone mm-hmm. getting mad, someone cussing someone out, right, cutting people off, things like that. But there's a whole nother side of anger that sometimes is not talked about, which is the quiet person, mm-hmm. right? Right, the person that stores it all internally. And they kind of, and I've heard a lot of Christians say this, well, I can't get angry mm-hmm. or I, it's, it's wrong to get angry, right? Yeah. And so what they do is they grow in their bitterness yeah. and, and then it kind of turns inward, it turns outward, but no one would ever know. Mm-hmm. And, and that's a problem too, is that, you know, just because you're not the person yelling doesn't mean that you're not, you know, in sin. Mm-hmm. Because if you're holding on to these things mm-hmm. and then you're letting them affect every kind of interaction you have, that's a problem as well. So you know, sometimes I think the the loud person gets the the worst of it when the quiet person might even be more angry. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. And, and, and I think a lot of that's that. just simply one would be a more traditionally masculine way to express anger, and one would be a more feminine way. And that's not to say that women can't lash out. Or, mm-hmm. It's just typically, you know, um, you that's think exactly about exactly how I deal with anger. I like yeah. it's there, but I think I can't be angry. I shouldn't be mad about this. I need to just let it go but I don't let it go. It just goes down and down mm, and down. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. the next thing I know, I'm slamming doors or doing something because it has to get out yeah. somewhere. So remember the Jim Carrey movie, Me, Myself, and Irene? Okay. Mm-hmm. So he he plays a character who is passive, acts like nothing bothers him, and he stuffs everything down. And then ultimately that produces a split personality of another person. And you know it's a funny movie, but that actually happened in my childhood. My Sunday school teacher, at uh, First Baptist Fair Oaks was a wonderful lady married to a very, very sweet man who stuffed everything his whole life. And ultimately that created um, an alternative personality that he started living out in his adult life. Um, He had a storage unit, separate life, whatever. And one day at home, um, her husband came home as the other person and he he beat her to death. What? Yes, that Mm. happened. It It was a huge, it was one of the first cases in the state of California. This was my Sunday school teacher. She was murdered by her husband. Mm. who was the sweetest, kindest. And everyone's like, how on earth did this happen? And it's because he was a stuffer. And he mm. had stuffed for years and years and years and years and years. And ultimately, you know, stuffing doesn't deal with it. Confessing does. Mm. Lord, gosh, this, this, this anger is inside me. I'm so bitter. I'm so, right. I've got to hand that over to the Lord because it's going to give the devil permission in my life. So mm-hmm. I can be a very angry person and be a very passive person, mm-hmm. you know? Um, 
you know, I think you're you're a nine one. Which mm-hmm. one is the passive aggressive? The one or the nine? Is it I the think nine? The nine, yeah. the nine, right? So I'm going to passively be aggressive, mm-hmm. and so that that's how the unhealthy nine processes anger. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to do what you want me to do to your face, but in the background, yeah. right? I'm coming around with this yeah. little knife to stick you. Yeah, but I might also be letting you know I'm really not happy about doing this right yeah. now by how it sounds when I'm doing it. Yeah, that's your one. Yeah, oh, yeah. I'm going to do it because I have to because I should. Yeah, but, but I, I am hate not it. happy. Yes. <laughs> yeah. What are some ways for those of us who are stuffers to start kind of unpacking that and taking some steps to actually dig in and look at the things that are making us angry and deal with those in more yeah. healthy ways? I would say this. I so think you don't develop split personality? Yeah, so don't de- yeah okay, that's, that's, the the that's the extreme personality or extreme consequence. I would say we're all stuffers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think even people who blow up are stuffers. Mm-hmm. Um, we're just more comfortable maybe releasing whatever, or we're just really angry people. I mean, right? Not everybody has the same level of anger. Um, you know, not everybody's comfortable. I mean, some people have like, you know, social awareness, public shame, others don't, right? They just let it rip and just chew you up one side down the other. So um, what I would say is we're all stuffers. And so well, what I would say is, God, show me what I'm stuffing. And that's where counseling comes in, you know, to talk about what am I stuffing? What, what has been hurtful to me? What has been painful? Where do I feel like I'm not being heard? Um, you know, uh, where do I feel like I'm a victim? So one of the things that we have to understand is, you know, victimhood is dangerous. So we have to deal with that. So, you know, the, the video game shooting that took place, one of my deep concerns in our society society today is, is when we feel like we're victims, we give ourselves freedom to do whatever we want. Mm. I am able to lash out because I'm a victim. You hear this in court cases. I am able to kill my husband because he did these things to me. So, right. So, and that's actually, you know, a defense. I, I was abused. I was this, I was that. And so I had no op other option, but to lash out. When we make ourselves a victim, we give ourselves permission to sin against others. So what, what I would do is, is, is first deal with that. So, right, you beat me in a video game and you've mistreated me. So I get to go to the car and I, I get to do that. And so we talk a lot about mental illness, which I'm sure was a part of this individual's story. But I also think one of the things we're not talking about is, is when we create victimhood status, we give ourselves permission to do things that others are not able to do. And so we have to really, really watch that uh, I'm, I'm, so as a Christian, I can gossip about you because you've, I'm a victim. I can talk behind your back because I'm a victim. I can uh, mistreat you. I can lie to you. I can steal from you. I can do all of these sins against you because I'm the victim. And so we have to be really, really careful that, and that's what anger does, right? I've been sinned against. I've been wounded. I've been hurt. And, and the truth is that's happening to all of us every day. Some of us more than others, but it's happening to us. And so we have to deal with that. And so one of the things I noticed about myself is when I started doing Ironman training, it's amazing when you just sit with yourself. Mm-hmm. And so I would go on these bike rides that are four, five, six hours long. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, like hour two, like these, these, I'm a, I talk. I don't think <laughs> in my head, I talk. My, my wife thinks it's the weirdest thing. Uh, my kids laugh. Dad, are you talking to yourself again? Yes. Because um, <laughs> I'm a verbal processor. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I started listening to myself talk. And it was ugly and dark and mean and critical. And, um, you know, I was just like, wow, I got a real problem. And then I went out to lunch with Claude Hickman and he slid me this uh, little pamphlet on on how to forgive. <laughs> <laughs> so apparently, apparently my self-talk was was uh, public talk as well. I just, I just wasn't as <laughs> Maybe accidentally butt dialed discreet. Yeah, I, I wasn't actually, yeah, as discreet as I thought I was being. And I just realized, and I really got to release this. And that's when I had to forgive Voltron. You know, you've heard the story. I had to forgive um, you know, that person uh, because I'd been wounded and I'd been hurt. And ultimately, here's what's at stake. It's your soul. 
your soul's at stake. Do I want to be led by God or do I want to be led by the devil? And, um, you know, Jesus had anger, but he wasn't led by anger, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, his anger came out when sinners were being kept from God in the temple. That's what made him angry. It was holy anger. And so, um, you know, I get angry at churches that don't allow sinners to come. You know, that's one of the things that Sandals is criticized for. Well, you're watering it down. What I'm, what I'm doing is I'm diluting it for lost people, right? That, that, and that's a sin in some people's. I, I'm making the gospel palatable for people who don't know God, haven't been raised in the church. And everybody wonders why the church is shrinking every year. Because we've made- The American church, not the American church. church. No, yeah, we, the American church is shrinking is because we're preaching to the choir. And we wonder why lost people don't want to sing the way we do. And it's like, look, so you've got to reach people where they're at and people know less and less about the Bible, but they're hurting more and more. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to, I'm going to meet them where they're hurting. And so, you know, anger is one of those things that I probably need to preach on every year until I die every year, because it, it, it impacts us so greatly. And it's a part of our lives. Um, you know, it, my kids, I've seen my kids struggle with anger. I've seen, um, and oftentimes they feel, they feel because they're a victim, they can lash out at their sibling or they can speak to their, right? They're not being heard. So they can speak a certain way to their mom and dad, or they can treat somebody at school um, the way that they do. And it's a problem. They're angry, they're hurt, they're wounded. And so we have to help them work through that. Uh, Tammy and I as a couple, right? We get, we get frustrated with each other and that leads to anger. Um, and so we have to learn to, to deal with that appropriately when we feel like we've been sinned against. And so again, it's what Jesus says in Matthew, like if you don't forgive those who've sinned against you, your father in heaven will not forgive you. Mm-hmm. And so what he's really, the button that he's pressing is, is when we've come to um, this point in our life where we really realize the gospel, we really realize what we've received, we realize what God has done. We've been converted and therefore we're able to extend forgiveness even in grievous situations because we know ultimately what we've done to God. So, and th- and again, it doesn't mean that we call it right, good. It doesn't mean that we pretend it didn't happen. God doesn't do any of that with our sins. It happened. And um, there was, a, there was a, a horrific penalty for our sin. It was Jesus dying on the cross. It was, I mean, right, it was horrible. So um, we, we need to deal with that and wrestle with that. So, so what I would say is we're all stuffers. And, and the question is not, you know, um, am I or am I not a stuffer? I am a stuffer. The question is, what am I stuffing? Mm. What, what, how am I... How do I feel offended? All of us feel overlooked at work. I'm in charge at Sandals. I feel overlooked. I feel underappreciated. I feel made fun of, poked, right, right. Everything that, and and I'm the boss. So I'm sure that, you know, you have felt overlooked. You felt overlooked. Uh, You felt underappreciated. You felt not, like everybody feels that. So how are we dealing with that? How are we coming to grips with that? How are we confessing that, being honest? Um, we feel not seen or loved or appreciated by our spouse. We, we all feel that. We all feel rejected. Um, you know, I desperately love my children, desperately. And I am a failure at communicating how much they mean to me on a regular basis because I'm tired, I'm grumpy, I'm whatever. And my kids, I see them wanting so desperately to be loved by me and, and reacting to the fact that I'm a human being. And... Um, and I don't love them and, and that's wounding them and that makes them angry and, and they feel unheard and unseen and, and you know, right? So, so we all feel that way. And so it's just like, yeah, okay. Um, so what, here's the mistake we make like in community group is we talk about the people that are hurting us rather than talking about 
how the wounding has affected us. Mm -hmm. And as long as we talk about what's outside, we're never gonna deal with what's inside. Mm -hmm. And so that's why gossip is so terrible because all it does is spread the sin. It doesn't deal with the sin. And so, um, you know, the details of, of who someone is and what they did is not nearly as important as how I feel mm -hmm. and what it did to me and how it's causing me to sin, you know? And so that's the thing, right? We spend all our time on the details of who it was, what they did, and, and then trying to understand why they did it rather than simply going to the cross with, wow, that hurt. Mm -hmm. What is that brought up in me? Wow, this is really ugly. And so my fear is that um, if I don't criminalize the other person, you're gonna judge me, which maybe I need to be judged, mm -hmm. right? Maybe I am a sinner. Maybe what's inside of me really is ugly. It is, right? Mm -hmm. So remember we talked about when I shook, shook the bucket of balls? Mm -hmm. we, wanna, we wanna say, well, well, there's all kinds of reasons for why that stuff comes out. But the truth is the only thing that comes out is what's in there. And that's why Jesus said, out of the mouth, the heart speaks. Mm. So the words that come out of our mouth, which again, what Psalm is it? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you. What is that? Psalms. It's definitely a Psalm and yep. it's in the Bible. It's a good one. Oh man, is, I don't know if, I mean, shoot. Well, I, we're going to put it in the show notes. Yeah, I'll we'll tell you um, we actually have a really good question that I think kind of practically breaks down what you're talking about. So Lizzie wrote in and says, my mom recently told me that she and my dad are filing for divorce after 30 years of marriage. I'm angry towards my parents because I know this is sin, because this is a sin against God, but I can't help feeling how angry I am. How do I overcome the anger I feel in this moment? So there's something else, something's happening on the outside. This person's really angry about it. How does she then start overcoming this anger that she has? Right. So let, let's just deal with the first cultural lie is that my kids are old enough to handle my divorce. Mm. That is a lie that we perpetuate in our society. I don't care how old your kids are. Um, divorce is the tearing apart of what God has made one. And it, 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 is, it is a sin that affects everyone because what it says is love does not last. Mm -hmm. What it says is family is not permanent. And what it does for your children is, is it causes them to be hopeless. Mm -hmm. Oh, we can't make it. Mom and dad, mom and dad could, after 30 years, they couldn't make it. And so... Um, that's what I would encourage you to share with your parents is you're, 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 you know, I would share, this makes me feel like there's not hope for me. This makes me feel like you guys have been living a lie, which that's probably why they get divorced. Um, you know, there, it's never, it's almost never just one person's fault. It's usually right. Both people. So I would just say, you know, mom, dad, and I don't know, does she say if they're a Christian or not? Uh, doesn't say. It says they had really unhealthy behavior toward each other forever, but yeah. she doesn't say if they're Christians. Yeah, so it's not a surprise. Um, but ultimately, you know, her mom and dad, they're not going to be well until they deal with how they treat people they claim to love. Mm -hmm. And so part of that is, uh, and that's what's so sad in the divorce proceedings, right? We go our separate ways and we never heal what was broken between us. And so then what happens is we take that woundedness, that sin, that anger into the very next relationship. Mm -hmm. And so statistically, I mean, Brett probably knows better than I do, but every time you get married, the chances of you staying married drop dramatically with each new marriage. Mm -hmm. it, right? You, you would think, oh, my second time, I'm going to get it right, right? And what are the lies? I'm older, mm -hmm. I'm more mature, blah, 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 liar, yeah. liar, liar, liar. You know, you're still a sinner just like you were when you're younger. I think when we're older, we're just better at pretending, mm. you know, we know better. Mm -hmm. So I, I would just, I would just, for her to deal with her anger, she needs to share that with her mom and dad. Mom and dad, this... This makes me very angry and I'm disappointed that you two as adults couldn't figure this out after 30 years, mm. that you couldn't humble yourself, that you couldn't. And what I would do is I would challenge them specifically. Dad, here's where I, I'm angry at you. Mom, here's where I'm angry at you. Because what I'm imagining is there's a pattern of, of dysfunction 
that they both participated in. You know, like relationships are like, a, what are the, the fair, not the Ferris wheel, is it? Merry-go-round. Merry-go-round, right? The, the only... <laughs> The only, the only way, you know, that ride's going to feel different if you change animals. I mean, you, you got to, and so don't get off the ride, but, and so people stay on the same animal and it's just like, here we go again, here we go. And that's the frustration is, it's just so sad. Just ch- change your behavior before you change your relationships. And, mm-hmm. and a lot of people just aren't willing to do that. They're not willing to say, I, I need to change who I am. Um, and I will say this, that the best way to confront is, is in love. Um, you know, open yourself up to receive. Um, because here's the thing, whenever you say, like, let's say Stephanie and I are married and I say, Stephanie, here's, here's the things that I see in you that are frustrating to me. Mm-hmm. Nine times out of 10, Stephanie's going to respond with, well, here's the things mm-hmm. that I'm frustrated with you. <laughs> so you need to prepare for that, right? Mm-hmm. You know, that's going to trigger you. You've, you've mustered up the courage to confront in love and you need to be ready for that. And you need to think about, okay, what might Stephanie say about my behavior? about what I'm doing and am I, but instead I'm like, oh, well, you, and then now we're going back and forth. And, it, and so that was the mistake that I made with Tammy is whenever I would speak into her life, I expected her to have the maturity to go, oh my gosh, I'm married to a pastor. He's so wise and I'm so grateful that he has spoken truth into my life. When her immediate reaction is, well, yeah, well, guess what you, and, and I was always shocked by that, which is ridiculous <laughs> because right, I'm a sinner and, Here's the thing is whenever we open an authentic, honest conversation, it's going to go both ways. Mm. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, it's not honest or authentic. So what we want is I want to be honest with Stephanie, Mm -hmm. but Stephanie, there's a wall here and you're not allowed to fire back. And so, um, so, so, so be, be prepared and say what, you know, we uh, we were in small group last night and um, one of our friends was talking about, they they were going to confront their kid. And so they were, they literally had a meeting about what is every possible objection Mm. that our kid is going to fire back. And I was like, wow, that's, man. That's tactical. That's tactical. <laughs> that and tactical. you need to be tactical in a relationship. Yeah. What might my wife say about me? Mm. You know, what, what, what complaint? And so like simple complaints, like my wife would be exhausted with laundry. So my underwear on the floor ticked her off because when you're a mother, like you take mm-hmm. Ruth, multiply Ruth's clothes times three, like where your wife is, your wife probably would rather burn laundry and buy new clothes every day. <laughs> They continue to take care mm-hmm. of the kids destroy everything every day. And and so right, so I I was unaware of how that underwear represented mm-hmm. just this piece to this huge no one pile. Family understand. Yeah. yeah, and and I but I didn't get that. And so what I would go into is I go to work and I do this, and it's just like take your freaking underwear and put it in the basket, right? Um and I still, you know, struggle cleaning up my stuff because when I'm done, I'm done. Mm-hmm. So um, you know, and, and her, you know, well, he it's the laundry isn't a statement of defiance, right? It, the underwear, for her, it meant so much. And it's like, you know, he's just tired. He's clueless. He doesn't see it. And, and we have to figure that out and, and just learn to go, wow, I'm really sorry. Rather than being defensive. Mm-hmm. Defensiveness, you know, I, I think perpetuates anger. And so I said years ago at a marriage conference we did that grace is the key that unlocks intimacy. Mm-hmm. If you want to go deeper in your relationship, learn to have grace Grace is the key to intimacy. And, and think about it. That's the only reason we have a relationship with God is because of grace. That, that, so Jesus Christ is that key, but, but it was driven by grace, God's grace for us. And so we need to learn to have that. That doesn't mean that you don't express it. Mm-hmm. So grace is not, I'm gonna pretend that Tammy doesn't have issues. That's not grace. Mm. That's living a lie. 
Grace is, I'm going to love Tammy despite her issues. And when I confront her on her issues or challenge her on her issues, I don't like confronting. That's that, that, that doesn't work really well. If I'm going to uh, share some things that, that I see in her life, I need to be ready for her to share some things in my life because I am more guilty than she is. I think I have more difficulties interpersonally than she does. And I need to be list, need to be ready to hear that and just say, oh, I'm so sorry. Mm-hmm. So, wow. I, I once told Raquel, you, you mentioned what you've told Tammy, like yeah. everybody thinks I'm awesome. I once told Raquel, everybody comes to me for advice, oh. but you won't listen to mine. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I grew up. Smooth. I've grown up. Yeah. 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 Hockey player to a therapist. Yeah, I was. Yeah. I know. I realize I'm really messed up. I think there's something in that that's really important to note as well as uh, for Lizzie is that you know the the divorce in your family anger really is kind of like an iceberg in a lot of ways, right? What we see at the top, mm-hmm. there's a huge issue underneath. And for Lizzie, you might be thinking things about you know this is the death of what you've known in your entire life. This right. is the death of a family for you. You know, this is the death of what love looks like. And maybe there's some fear, you know, if my parents are getting divorced, maybe I can't stay faithful. Maybe mm-hmm. I can't get through the tough times. Maybe I'm a byproduct of, you know, and, and there's all these things that come up and, and that's going to invoke anger. That's going to invoke a lot of questions and value, you know, uh, questions in purpose, questions in right. the sanctity of marriage. And yeah. so, you know, just realize, Lizzie, just because your parents might be walking towards something that is not of God, right? Like uh, Micah 6, it talks about God hates divorce, right? Um, Even though your parents are walking toward that, it doesn't mean that you have to walk towards that and Mm -hmm. and release yourself from some of that stuff because that could be really scary when some of who are supposed to be our greatest examples fail and then we wonder if they can't do it, Mm -hmm. what does that mean for me? Yeah. And Mm -hmm. so there can be a lot of fear there. So Lizzie, here's what I would say is, mom, dad, I'm angry that every Christmas and Easter from now on, I have to choose one of you. Yep. You've you've taken every one of my holidays. When I have kids, you you you've you've affected that for the rest of our lives and I'm angry about that. Mm-hmm. And that makes me mad because you've made a decision that has affected the rest of my life. Uh, and that makes me angry. Um because what, what you have to be ready is because what your parents are going to say is well it's not about you. Well, it does affect me. Mm-hmm. And then I think it's right. I, I think it's right to be angry when people make decisions that impact us and they don't include us. Like it drives me crazy. You know, people are like, you know, here's this major decision and it impacts you, but I never thought to include you. I'm like, mm-hmm. you know, um, that's really, really frustrating to me. Um, you know, and I'm angry that you never asked me for advice as your kid. But th- parents, if you want to do some real marriage therapy, ask your kids without consequence what they see that's wrong with your relationship. That, right? I don't know that my wife and I could survive that conversation. <laughs> what, what do you see in us that's not godly? Mm. No consequence. I will never judge you again. Nobody wants to do that because our kids see us for, for what we are. And, um, and that's what I would say that every parent, listen to your kids. Listen to your kids' criticisms when they offer them because... They're probably right. They know you. They see you, and 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 we we need to we need to listen to our children, um, especially as they grow older. They've gotten wiser, and you know, the older we get, the more stuck in our ways we are. And w- one of the ways we get unstuck is to listen to people that love us. Mm-hmm. But if if you can't listen to people that love you, you're probably not going to listen to God. So, mm-hmm. you know. So Lizzie, I'm sorry. Uh, what was the last part of her question? That was great. How can I overcome the anger that I feel? I would take it to the Lord and say, Lord, you know, my father on earth 
has screwed up my life. Help me to trust you, my Father in heaven. I would take mm-hmm. it to him. Lord, help me to, because right, the fear is, okay, my, my, my Father on earth has not been truthful. He's not been faithful. What does that mean about my Father in heaven? And then you've got to go to your Father in heaven and trust him. Trust him. Okay, can I trust you? Right, because it undermines the very fabric of faithfulness, of commitment, of truth. Um, that's why God hates divorce, because it's the commitment of two people to be parents, which are God's in their children's lives. Mm-hmm. Parents are the reflection of God's image to their children. If you're good parents, children are gonna have an easier time believing God is good. If you're bad parents, they're gonna have a hard time believing God is bad. I mean, that's why Freud ultimately decided God's not real because he said, people want a good father mm-hmm. and most don't have one. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I got this pie in the sky guy that he's everything I wish my dad on earth was. And um, it's just really, really sad. Um, you know, I. You know, I, I, I think one of the reasons that I'm stable is not just because of my faith in God, but it's because of who my dad was. Mm. My mom and dad were not perfect, but they were stable. I never feared, especially as a teenager, them splitting up, them breaking up. There was, there was never a time, you know, I remember in high school, my best friend came over to my house and he laid on my bed and he wasn't a real emotional guy. We were seniors in high school. We wore letterman's jackets together, you know, played football together. And he said, what's the worst thing that could happen to you? And I said, I don't know, I guess my mom and dad dying. You know, cause at that point in time, I'm still totally dependent, even mm-hmm. as an 18 year old on my parents for everything. He says, my mom and dad are getting divorced. Mm-hmm. So as an 18 year old young man, he believed that the worst thing that could possibly happen to him had just happened. Mm-hmm. And it was his mom and dad splitting up and, um, you know, that's as close as I got as a young man to divorce. But I saw that hurt, I saw that pain, and I was so thankful that my parents worked it out. And, um, you know, um, that, that's tough. And just so you know, like there are, there are stages in marriage that, that, that you have to work through. Once is just getting married, right? W- learning to work together. And that's new, that's like where you are. Then you're at the second stage, which is learning to work together with kids. But there's a third stage, which is, learning to live together without kids, right? You become all, and that's where a lot of couples, it's like 30, like 30 years, you hear that. It's because, yeah, we don't have anything in common because our whole life revolved around the kids, which is a violation of the first commandment. Thou shall have no other gods but me. Mm. Your children aren't little gods, they're little devils, <laughs> you know? <laughs> I'm gonna tweet myself. Um, so you, you gotta do that. Um, you, and then there's retirement. I watch, you know, my mom's like, what am I gonna do with my husband? Because he's <laughs> home all the time, right? And, and and for a man, especially, who I am is what I do. Mm-hmm. And he didn't know what to do with himself. So that's another hurdle. So you just gotta know any life change affects love. It just does. Mm-hmm. And and nobody wants to believe that, um, you know, And but I hear it all the time. We just grew apart. Go ahead. Yeah, and that's, an, I wanna kind of go back to this part because I think you said something that if parents didn't grasp is probably one of the most important things they can grasp is that you reflect God to your children. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There are so many times I meet with people on a, on a regular basis where once they tell me about who their parents are, I already know how they view God in a yeah. lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And, and then when they talk about the relation with God, it's almost, almost, you know, mm-hmm. exactly identical. Mm-hmm. And, and to miss that point, that's such an important point because there's a greater responsibility than just financial uh, provision and you know, yeah. taking them to soccer, uh, it's you represent who God is in their life. Mm-hmm. And if you do that wrong, 
then they're going to view God differently. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah, a great example, a, a great thinker, a great mind, an incredible person in our culture is Dennis Prager. Dennis Prager is a Jew, uh, Orthodox Jew. Uh, I, he, he's truly one of the great minds of our culture, but he'll say on a regular basis, I honor God, I don't love God. Mm. And hmm. so finally he spoke on why that is. And it's because of his relationship with his dad. Mm. He honors his dad, but he didn't experience love from his dad. So he can't, he can't love God because he didn't learn how to love his dad. And, and here's a guy, I mean, this guy, he, he wrote the number one Bible commentary in the history of America. It was number one on Amazon for like the last six months. It's a Bible, a Bible commentary. Bible commentaries sell like three copies. One to your mom, <laughs> you bought one yourself, you know, and you made your staff buy one. Yeah. His is number one. And, you know, here's this guy who can't understand, he can't obey the greatest commandment. Thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Mm-hmm. He can't do it. So he tries to honor God with his life. He's a principled man. He's an honorable man, but he can't live out the one commandment that God wants. I want you to love me like I love you. And it's because of his relationship with his dad. And that's not my opinion. That's what he shared. Yeah. So any all our Dennis Prager lovers don't, I'm not bashing him. I, I, I think the guy, I learn from the guy all the time. He wows me all the time, but here's this genius who can't live out the elementary truths of his faith. Like that's first grade, love God. Nope, can't do it. But he's a professor. At least he has the courage to say it. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people struggle loving God. And that's because of the life we've experienced. And that's why the Bible's so important. You can't judge God based upon the experiences you have around you. You have to judge God based upon scripture because scripture pierces through the darkness of earth and it reveals the light of God. And that's what we need. And if you are not reading your Bible you're being overwhelmed by darkness and your vision of God is being clouded. And so you, you need that. And, um, and again, it's why, you know, I feel so bad for Jews because they don't have Jesus. And not just, right, I'm not just talking about their need to be Christian. I'm talking about their need for Jesus, a rabbi who understood God better than any rabbi in the history of the world mm-hmm. because he was God. Mm-hmm. And he knew the greatest commandment is this, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is just like it love your neighbor as you love yourself. All the law hinges upon these two commandments. Everything you need to know in a paragraph and Dennis Prager who's written volumes missed it. And uh, it's just sad. So again, parents, there's a lot at stake here. And um, you know, just know your church loves you. We love you. God loves you. We're behind you. And what I would encourage every parent that's freaking out and crying right now, because you know, I, I said it this weekend, if you want your kids to love Jesus, you got to raise them like Jesus. Mm-hmm. The text said, as usual, he went to synagogue. Mm-hmm. You know, we have staff that aren't attending church on a regular basis. It breaks my heart that work here. That's, they're, they're, they're serving Jesus, but they're not becoming like Jesus. And uh, it's catastrophic, right? We give ourselves permission constantly to sin. Um, you know, again, and that's what self-righteousness does. This law applies to everybody else but me. I can do what I need to do. And the truth is we, here's why church attendance is so important. It's a submission to God that I need this. Well, everybody's idiots. Yep. So why do you need to be in the crowd? Because you're one of these idiots and you just don't know it. You can see theirs. What did Jesus say? Why help your brother with the speck in his eye when you can't see the log in your own eye? The reason you think everybody else at Sandals is way worse than you are is because you don't see accurately. And um, 
we all need Jesus. We all need to come. Um, you know, uh, you know, raising kids is not easy, you know, and, and, um, Tammy and I are still in that process. It's, it's brutal. It's man, you need a mom and a dad and my hat goes off to everybody who's a single parent. Uh, it's even harder for you. So, um, I, I praise God for that, but we all need God. And, and, and again, you know, Tammy and I made a decision. Our kids aren't going to be Olympians. (laughs) They're not because we're after a different crown. We want our kids to achieve a different medal. And the desire of my heart is that my children will be with me in heaven. And ultimately, here's the scary, that's their choice. I have zero control over who my kids choose to serve. And um, so many churches today believe that you can serve yourself and still follow God. And I, man, you know, um, it's just it's just really, really sad. It's really, really sad where our culture's headed and the heart of Christianity is being attacked. Mm-hmm. You know, we all need to convert. You know, we all need that. And uh, it's just sad. And so we need to bring God our anger. Yeah. How many more questions we got? I actually just have one more that's actually on the same vein that we've been on. A lot of people wrote in questions asking about how to deal with anger toward their ex, specifically when they've got kids involved. So yeah. maybe it's an ex they still have to see because oh. they share a child or an ex who's left and left them with a child. Can you kind of talk to how to deal with anger towards someone when you are also raising kids with them? Right. And so so I think the biggest thing is to lay out the facts. Uh, what are the facts? You know, um, your, the facts, not your feelings. What are the facts? And then draw a line in the paper and then write your feelings. And um, so the facts are they've left. Uh, how does that make you feel? The facts are they don't pay child support. How does that make you feel? The fact is they were abusive. How does that make you feel? The fact, right. So you have to divide those two things because one of the the, the easiest ways to remain angry is to confuse your facts, facts and feelings. They blur. And I can't help you with that. Um, right. So Proverbs says, any man who testifies first in court always seems right until he is cross-examined. So you got to learn to cross-examine yourself. What are the facts? What are my feelings? And, and I'm not saying your feelings are invalid. I'm just saying, don't put them in the column of facts. So, so put that over there and then work through the facts. Like, so, okay, so with a counselor, with a mediator, it's, it's difficult. And, and I know we have a lot of single parents and, um, you know, we live in a culture that says you don't need a dad. And, and a lot of you are experiencing that or you don't need a mom. You know, people have bailed. Um, I know it on both sides in our church. There's men whose wives have left, husbands have left, then you have blended families and you're trying to raise a kid that's not yours. I mean, all of that is rough. And so, so just divide those two things and work through that and say, okay, here, here are the facts and then have a counselor or soul care person work through those with you. And then let's deal with your feelings um, because that, that's what we have to do is you can't change the facts, but God can work in your heart where your feelings are. So again, triggers, here's what this person's going to do. They're probably not going to change. So the reason we drive ourselves insane is we keep expecting this person to be different. Mm-hmm. And um, man, they might be, right? God might do a miracle. The greatest miracle is that God does is changing the human heart. It might happen. It's rare. So let's let him change your heart. So that's what I would say is, is just work through that. It's really, really frustrating. Um, the next thing I would say is don't get in a relationship too soon. You know, um, your, your sexual desires will compromise your spiritual desires every time if you let them, every time. And so I get it. You want to feel close. You want to feel intimate. Um, and sex is the easiest avenue to do that. You jump into bed with another person and now you've severed yourself from God. So Paul asked this question. 
can Jesus be united with a prostitute? He doesn't answer the question because the answer is obvious, no. So what's he, what's he saying to the church at Corinth? When we engage in sexual sin, we separate ourselves from spiritual truth. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what happens. And so a lot of people, right? You got this out of order the first time. Let's get it in the right order the next time. But again, we make ourselves a victim. We give ourselves permission. God understands. He knows I need intimacy. God knows I have sexual desires. God wouldn't give me desires he doesn't want me to act on. Boom, now I'm sinning. I'm negating God's word. I'm doing what I want. And you wonder why you're miserable. Guys, it's not rocket science. Trust God, follow his principles, follow his precepts, and you will have a blessed life. You will have a blessed life. You may not be rich. You may not be famous. I can't guarantee you'll live to be 100. I don't know that I want to live to be 100, but you will be blessed. And so many of you, you know, it's it's like the story of Lot. Uh, I haven't preached on this in a long time, but a lot of people have a hard time with Lot um, when the men of the city come to rape the angels and he offers up his daughters. And you're just like, how on earth could a loving father offer, offer up his daughters to do that? And, and here's the point, don't, don't live in Sodom. So some of us are so far into Sodom and Gomorrah that it's just, there's no good options getting out. It's just bad, 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 bad options. And so we, we, we gotta work ourselves out from that and it's gonna take time. And so here's the thing is a lot of you, you've spent 10, 20 years screwing your life up and you want God to fix it in an altar call. And so what God is saying is, no, I'm gonna walk you out of this valley of the shadow of death, right? So Psalms 23, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff comfort me. Those are not very comforting tools <laughs> to sheep, okay? I mean, now they're comforting if there's a wolf because God's gonna beat the crap out of the wolf. But what they're used is to lead the sheep by whacking them. So God, how, how am I gonna get through this, the valley of the shadow of death? I, I'm gonna let you correct me That's what those things are. And I'm gonna slowly but surely make my way out of this valley. And and you're gonna anoint my head with oil, even in the presence of my enemies, right? I mean, it's just such a beautiful Psalm. God's gonna get me through this. And ultimately I'm gonna be okay because in the end I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I mean, it's such a beautiful, beautiful Psalm. And and we gotta know that and we gotta trust that. Um, We can't listen to our feelings. You know, this week uh, in Southern California, a major uh, pastor took his life. Um, I believe that church and uh, my heart is broken for his church, for his wife, his kids. Uh, in a moment of desperation, feelings overcame faith and, 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 and right, we have to trust that. And I believe he, wasn't he preaching on that or preaching through that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so here's the thing as Christians and, and I, especially Christian leaders, been a Christian a long time and then a pastor, the higher we get up in our faith, the harder it is for us to be real. Mm-hmm. It just is. Mm-hmm. Uh, the pressure um, I love, man, you know, I, I love Star Wars, but that, man, that quote between um, uh, Ben Solo and uh, what's the, his, his, the, the evil guy's name. Oh, oh. Um, you know, come on, dude. I can't believe Snoke. it. Yeah. I'm so sad for you that Sorry. I know that you couldn't do that. Um, but Snoke, right. He says, they didn't train you that as you dive into darkness, mm-hmm that the light will press even harder. And I think what we don't tell Christians is, is as we press into the light, the darkness will press further, um, right? So as Jesus is about ready to redeem the earth and, and, and everything is going to be finished, darkness is pressing upon him and he sweats drops of blood. I mean, he, right? As he is going to do the greatest act in human history, the most righteous act 
darkness is pressing upon him so greatly, you know, it's not faith that caused him to bleed. It's fear. It's, it's right, right. I'm going to die. This is going to, uh, so darkness is all around him. And uh, I love how uh, the passion, remember, he's praying and he's the sweats, he's, he's bleeding the, the, the drops of sweat. And then he steps up and he crushes the snake with his foot. The devil was right. Remember the snake is around mm -hmm. his leg, man. And Mel Gibson did that so great. And then his life fell apart. Mm -hmm. So isn't that great? Amazing. He can paint a picture of what was happening, but can't live it out himself. And so we all have to do that and just know that darkness is pressing in and we need to constantly press into the light. There's a reason that God said six days you shall work and one day you shall rest in worship. And that's because every single one of us is in desperate need after six days in a dark world of one day in the light. And we don't believe we need it. We don't. And we wonder why our lives are the way they are. Build your lives around God and the Sabbath and the principle of worship and you will be blessed. But we don't. We want, it, we want God to build his life around ours. And, and it just doesn't work that way. So parents, don't freak out. You can do this. It's real, real simple. Any Man, anytime you can get your kids doing anything. You know, so my... Um, my wife and I, we just had to make a decision. You know, we live over by the, the Woodcrest campus. It's the easiest campus for us to attend. My son said he, wa he wants to go to Hunter Park. That's 30 minutes each way on a Wednesday night in horrible traffic. It's a nightmare. It's an absolute nightmare. And I told my wife, I want to do whatever we have to do to encourage my son as long as he's excited about God. Hmm. So if we have to, on a Wednesday night, drive an hour on a Wednesday night after we've worked, and for sometimes, right, we're at Hunter Park, we have to drive all the way home. We have to come all the way back then we go on our date night and then we come back and then we go. Whatever it takes for us to encourage our son's spiritual life, we will do. And that's what I think parents need to do, whatever it takes. I can't afford camp, you can collect cans. Whatever it takes, you can make it happen. You can, you can make it happen. Invest in your kids' spiritual lives, whatever it takes. And, um, and I believe, right? The Bible says, raise a child up in the way that he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. And so um, press into your kids um, because the world is going to press, mm. you know, and that's what's so sad. As soon as the world cranks it up, parents take their hands off the wheel. Well, I can't make my kid do stuff. I'm like, are you kidding me? Mm. You know, I have to make my kid do all kinds of things he doesn't want to do. Uh, <laughs> like vegetables. I put the salad on his plate every time and stare him down, you know, because he's got to do that. That's, that's, a, right, that's a part of getting vitamins and, and he's growing. I'm like, this is the only time in your life where your body's like literally needs all this stuff. So anyways, I'm off my soapbox. <laughs> Fair enough. This is a good show, man. I think this was really, really helpful. I just, I've been even processing a lot my own self. I know like, your face is your, like. Yeah, yeah. No, the th I actually was thinking, well, listening to a lot of stuff that you said, I think I've kind of grown quite a bit in this area. Um, you know, th I think it was actually probably about three years ago. And then I, shortly after that, I preached a sermon where mm. like I grabbed this iPad and I smashed it yeah. in a fit of rage, like in my family. And I'm like, man, I, and I'm just been thinking through the, mm. the steps and stuff. So it's been a good episode. Thanks guys. Yeah. Have our a lot of anger that you didn't know was there comes out with children because you're mm. not rested. Mm -hmm. You're tired. You're right. Like. These are literally the circuit, like these things yeah. are all listed yeah. as yeah. torture in the Geneva, Geneva Convention. Yeah, sleep deprivation. Yeah, yeah, no, and that's yeah. called parenting. So, um, yeah, and again, so when you're dating, right, you're face-to-face. -face. When you get married, you're shoulder-to-shoulder. -shoulder. And um, it's just different. And, and that's why couples don't know how to navigate because we put so much emphasis on we're in love rather than how can we work it out in life together. Mm -hmm. And um, so 
Um, and that's why a lot of marriages don't make it because it's work, mm. but it is worth it. And, and we need to work towards that. And, um, you know, so. Good stuff. We got one more week, I think, of uh, our resident expert coming back next week. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you guys like Brett, let him know in a five-star review in the iTunes store. Ooh. Leave, oh, wow. him, leave him a great review. Technically, leave the debrief a great review, mm-hmm. but mention yeah, Brett. Feel free in to there. mention Brett. Yeah, feel free great. to mention the rest of us too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, that's a good idea. Mention yeah. your favorite person and what makes him so great. <laughs> yeah, so I forgot. Um, I told uh, my buddy Craig from Australia I would give him a shout out on the debrief. He mm. listens every week from Melbourne, Craig? Australia. Love you, Craig. Uh, miss you. He's a great dude. Good day, Craig. Yeah, good day, Craig. We love our Aussies, our Aussie audience. So mm. we love you guys. And, um, Super grateful for him. And so also Ross up in Canada. I don't know if he's still listening, but I like Ross met him in Israel. Cool dude. Mm. So uh, yeah, we got through security together, Ross, in Egypt. It was awesome. <laughs> so I want to give a shout out to our listeners. Yeah, now I'm just sitting here thinking about maple syrup. Yeah. yeah. Or hockey. Mm. Yeah. Maple syrup. 